Flashback Fridays. Flashback Fridays on SAFM. And uh, let's welcome on the line then Coach Eric Simons, who's been kind enough to take our call tonight as we look ahead to tomorrow's clash between the Proteas and Sri Lanka and obviously what happened in the past two games against Australia and the West Indies and get his views on the rest of the tournament and uh, the big story that dominated the headlines this week. Coach, good evening from us on SAFM. Thank you very much for being able to take our call. Uh, good evening. Thanks very much for the call. Thanks for nice to chat. Thanks, Coach. Obviously, the headlines this week have been dominated by the Quinton Cock and Cricket South Africa saga. What do you make of what's happened this week, starting with the decision to order a directive to the team to take the knee? Yeah, it's been a rather, rather interesting. It's taken the focus away. It seems they seem to have passed it now and have found each other. I think it looks like to me a, a huge issue of miscommunication or lack of communication between the parties and and an understanding of, you know, once the statement came out from Kuni Dukak as to what exactly is going on, it was always going to be a mistake. And I think CSA admitted it to be putting a directive out before so close to a match. The, you know, psychological preparation is, is probably more important than, than, than net preparation even for, for the players that are moved towards a big game, particularly someone like the West Indies in, a, in what he says is a match, must-win game. So that was a bit late, and uh, and and Quinton made it made it made a decision. I think I think maybe he made it in the spur of the moment, maybe under under in the heat of the moment. Didn't really think it through, and afterwards he seems to regret it, and, and it's pretty statement out. But uh, I, I my my sense is that the team have always stayed quite close. I thought Tim Pavuma was brilliant the way that he dealt with the way he spoke. You know, he he's he's clearly been a, a, a gelling influence within the team and, and showed good leadership. So. I've, Hopefully, it's, hopefully we've gone through it and we haven't wasted uh, a crisis, as they say. We've learned, we've all learned from it, and we can move forward and play some good cricket now. Mm. Did, 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 did you see it have any effect in the match against the West Indies, even if they won and going forward? Do you think it will be at the back of their minds what happened this week? I don't think so. I, I really do think. I think this, you know, from what I've heard from the the, the group of guys, there's some there's some good relationships and good honest conversations, and I think I think they've uh, they've, they've put together. They've understood that there was. It was a bit of a, a bit of uh, a bit of a mess, mess up and mix up of communication and understanding and making making rash decisions in the heat of the moment and, uh, and I think they pulled together well and I, I think because it was handled well from Timber and from within the side I think they'll be all right and I think maybe he can even use it as a as a means to gel the team so I think we will move past it and it won't be an issue anymore with the team itself. And should he play tomorrow, Coach Quinton? Well, I mean, if, you, if if what they say is correct and, and you know, teams have found each other and uh, people have found each other, then yes, he should. I mean, he's, a, he's an exceptional cricketer and, and he's come out and, and made a very unequivocal statement about about what he feels and how he felt about it. And so certainly from my perspective, I think um, it seems to have been dealt with and yes, I think he should play. And the other bending matter is, should it have been left to CSA to issue this directive, Coach Eric, or should those in charge of the team, those that are in the UAE, have shown shown, shown better leadership in finding a unified stance here? I think it should have been dealt with a long time ago. I think that was the problem. You know, and I think then, well, certainly not in, 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 in a national stage as this, to be dealing with this kind of issue is not the right place. It should be dealt, dealt with long before the tournament. When, when it first arose, and, and people should have been able to speak through it and understand it, and and I think then we wouldn't have had the situation. So, um, uh, yeah, I think I think initially perhaps dealt with from within the team would have been the best way to do it. Let's talk through this. Let's understand why it's important and why we, we need to do it. And if you have a if you have a concern, then voice it and let's explain to, to each other what we feel and and get past it. But I think that the team showing a unified stance is, is very important. But um, it should have been dealt long ago. And, and yes, I agree with you. From, from that point, it should have been from within the team. 
And just when you were the coach of the Proteus team, a lot's been said about the team culture in the team. How was the team culture when you were in charge back in those days or was the focus just on cricket at the time or did you also have to be cognizant of what was happening around you? I think, look, I think there was a good, there was a good atmosphere. There was a good, I certainly felt so. I think, um, you know, I think it was the early days of, of really trying to find each other and, and, and the word the word education has been used a lot lately and it's, it's amazing that even today we still have to use that word education for each other and it's a fact of life and I, I think that um, there has been some, some good conversations taking place but I still think it was a it was a, it was a phase of of life where we, we we could have always been better. Everyone could have been better of understanding and and knowing each other. And, and and you know, as a coach, I think it's very important to understand each individual, each player, and, and what they're about. It's, it's, more, it's for some of more important than the actual cricket technical side of the game. But um, you know, it it, it was it, it, we never we we had a good period of in in the, in the three years that I was with the team. But uh, you know, I, I, when you look back on on time, you could always feel you could have done better and. and and being more aware of, of, of individuals within team and what they initially were going through as a person. For those who are just joining us, we're in conversation with former Proteas All-Rounder and coach Eric Simons, um, just discussing what happened this week. We're going to l- get his thoughts on what's happened in the tournament so far, look ahead to tomorrow and just a little bit on his career. Let's take just one voice note as we wrap up this part of the conversation. But you are welcome to send your voice notes, 61 Good evening, Tabiso, and good evening to the listeners. Libra here, very emotional, uh, very emotional testimony. Um, I was actually crying, especially at the back end where he was speaking to Sky Sports, uh, um, you know, telling how his mother, you know, was uh, her sisters, you know, didn't want to, to talk to her or didn't want to associate with her because her husband or her father was too dark, you know. He cried, in fact, you know. So I just hope the society in large, uh, Tabiso, can really stand up uh, against uh, racism and really create an equal society, you know. And Cricket South Africa can learn from this and provide equal opportunities to all players, regardless of the color of their skin. And really the government, Tabiso, because you can blame Cricket South Africa, but ultimately at the end of the day, the government, uh, it is their job to build those facilities working hand in hand with CSA. Uh, cricket South Africa must just provide the coaches and the equipment for cricket. I've just got one question to Mr. Eric um, uh, Simons, and that question is with regards to Henrik Klassen. Why do you think uh, the Proteas are playing Henrik Klassen? Because I believe that Reza Hendricks should bat at three. That is what I believe. Um, I think there's a bromance going on between Klassen and Boucher there because uh, they come they come all the way uh, uh, from the Titans. Thank you very much, Thomas. Okay, Libra, thanks for that. I agree with you. It was a touching um, speech given by Michael Hold. I don't want to call it testimony because he was not testifying, but he was just invited to share his views. And do catch it if you can, folks, on YouTube, as I've mentioned. Um, Coach, um, he's talking about the team, now the Proteas. Um, obviously, we know why Henrik Klassen played um, in the last match. Uh, well, he had to keep wickets because Quintin wasn't there. But in the previous match, he also played as an extra better. Um, he wants to check from you what why do you think he's playing in 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 this team you know it's it's always difficult to sit on the outside and and make comments as to why certain players are playing and and why certain players aren't but in cricket the balance of a team is very important um players bring different skills to the game and you you get what I call touch players and 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 power players 
And and someone like like Temba Vavuma is is very much a touch player. He, he uses the pace of the ball, he hits into areas and runs hard. Then you get a guy like Markham, also a bit of a touch player. And Johannes Carlsen is more of a power player. David Miller is a power player. They hit the ball over the fence into different areas. And it, it might just be he's playing a spin. The conditions um, in, in, in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and Charger have obviously, obviously been favoring spin. And, and how he plays spin is important. And he's regarded as a good player of spin, particularly the slug sweep. Um, and it, it could be something like that, that they believe he brings a new dimension to the game and, and a, new, a new skill to the, to the batting lineup, which they don't have. So if he's a, a spin combination bowling in the middle, they can send him in and he can... He can you can be particularly aggressive against them. So it might just be the combination of what they believe he brings to the table is one of the reasons. Um, but there would have been thought around balancing the skills that you have in your lineup of six or seven batsmen. Does it help that the coach is familiar with him from their time at the Titans? It's always it's always an interesting question. You know, when, and, and it is. It's very important for the coach not to not to let that overlook you. But, uh, you know, there are times where you do have a, a sense of confidence about a player that you've worked with him so much. And you do know what he's about, Matt. But um, one would like to believe that it's it's based purely on on uh, on what you believe the team is needed, rather than relationships. So um, I'm sure that a lot of thought will be given to the skill set, rather than the fact that it's a relationship. Although there, there will obviously be some confidence given the fact that they've worked together quite a lot. Um, but it is something a coach needs to always make sure that, that it doesn't um, take his, his decision and opinion. And and would you say then talking about the balance you mentioned earlier on, would you say they've got the balance right in this team, going with two spinners, extra better in that first game and um, the one all rounder? I I've been quite happy with the balance to be, to be quite honest with you. I think we've got all the bases covered. We've got two exceptional fast bowlers in Cajiso and and Andres Nokia and then um, uh, Pretorius who bowls off cutters, but of, you know he's, he's quite good in the middle. Spin bowler takes the ball away with uh, left arm spin and Kesav Maharaj and then and then Tamra Shamsi who's a mystery spinner and then you can even throw the ball to to Markram if you need an off spinner so I think we've got we've got a really a really nice lineup of bowling from that perspective and I always like the extra bats of the bats and we've got some something a little more down the order which does give a bit of um, confidence to the top order because you need to be played aggressive and freedom I I've, I've thought the balance of the selection has been quite good I must say and. Uh, so far from, from the way we've gone about it. Do you expect any changes against Sri Lanka tomorrow? Well, I, I, the, one, the one big one is the one that question that you asked me. Does, um, does Queenie the Croc come yeah. back? I don't know what's going to happen there, but that, that might happen. Um, Hendricks has played a really good... He's a good player, Reese Hendricks, and he's and he played a really good knock. But um, that'll, if there's a change, that'll be the only one, and it'll be based on, obviously, a decision around the team going forward because... You'd want Kuni to be in the side. You want, you hope that's been put behind everybody and we can move forward. But beyond that, I don't expect any changes. What's your scorecard on the fielding, Coach Eric? Um, it seemed to have improved, especially in that first game, and it's always been a crucial aspect of uh, the the, the Proteas because South Africa is known for its fielding. What's your take on the fielding so far? It's an, it's a, it's always a barometer of, of the confidence of the team. You know, when we know a team can field well, and we know that we're good fielders, and it's a fielding drop dips. It's often a, a barometer of where the confidence of the team is. And um, and I think there's a genuine confidence amongst the, the bunch of guys. I think we played well. We played some. I know there were warm-up games, but then, for example, the win against Pakistan in a warm-up game was 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 an incredible performance. Regardless of the fact that it's just a warm-up game, they really played well. They bowled exceptionally well. Even in the game we lost to Australia, the guys have come together as a unit and bowled exceptionally well. So I generally think there's some good confidence through the team, and I think that's led to some some good some good fielding. From the guys, and and that leads to a diving catch. You know, if you don't have confidence, you don't dive. You run around and stop the ball. The same with boundaries. You'd rather chase it than dive for it. So I, I, I'm just beginning to feel if that's my barometer, 
I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to believe that that it's showing that there's a there's a good confidence amongst the guys, and uh, so it, it does it does all go well in terms of where the team is from a from a confidence level. And and what about the batters? I mean, they were not great in that first game against Australia, but they redeemed themselves in the second game. And I remember when we spoke to Alan Donald earlier this week or earlier this week on Monday, and he was saying that he's got no problem with the batting lineup, but it's just how they apply themselves and how they they play on those conditions and those wickets. Is that maybe what they got right in the second game? I completely agree. I think the batting lineup is solid. I like I like partnerships. I think. I think Timber and Connie at the top is a good partnership. I, you know, you can't have all guys that are power players. Guys who complement each other, I think they'll do well. If they can set up that middle order, I think it'll do well. So, from the lineup, I'm, I'm pretty happy with. It. I, I think in the first game, one of the things you have to do in those venues is you have to know what is a good score and what you can score, and then it affects the way you go about about setting the target. So, I think we we went in without really giving, or we we didn't read the wicket well. We maybe thought we need to score too many runs, and we we end up not playing rash shots, but we we maybe try to score too, too quickly. Whereas if we said, look, if we score 150 here, which is not a lot more runs, we can win this game. So reading the wickets is important, and, and then once you've done that, is is how you go about accumulating it. Is this a wicket we score many boundaries, or do we have to hit into gaps and run ones and twos a lot more? And I think that's is exactly as you say. We did that better in the second game. We were more calm, more confident, and we structured it a lot better. But reading these wickets is going to be the, one of the one of the key the key factors in the team that ultimately wins the tournament. And talking about the scores, there have been some big scores in this tournament. What's your impression of this World Cup? Were these low scores expected? After the IPL, that, I mean, I was in the IPL with, um, before the tournament, and mm. and that's what happened. So, although although in the IPL we started in the middle pitches, the ones in the middle of the square, and then moved wider. And so they can start preparing for the World Cup. They were still quite well worn, and when a pitch has been used a lot, it will become slow. It will become low. It will become uneven in balance, and it makes batting difficult. So yes, I wouldn't. I would have been surprised if the scores were high because of the conditions. I think the wickets have been used a tremendous amount, and that will lead to low scoring. But it adds a new dimension to the game, just in terms of again how you go about it, how you go about chasing a low score or setting a score and then defending it. So I'm I'm not surprised at low scores. Um, there, there might be a few wickets they've saved in the middle when you go on these good pitches that haven't been used too much. We might get back to some bigger scores, but I doubt it. I think we're going to see pretty low scores throughout the tournament. For those just joining us, we're in conversation with former Proteas coach and uh, former Proteas all-rounder coach Eric Simons just to get his thoughts on the World Cup so far, the Proteas. We're going to get into a bit of his career shortly. Um, you are welcome to send us your voice notes on 0614104107 if you want to weigh in on any a part of our conversations. And uh, coach, uh, just looking at the tournament overall, now who would have who would have been your favorites before the tournament started and um and what are your impressions so far just overall of the standard of play? I think I think if we if I if you had said right name two teams, I probably would have gone between India and England. I think mm-hmm. they're both very well balanced side. They've got um they've got a mixture of players again, you know, someone in in, in in, in each team that can, can hit the ball over the boundary with, at will almost, and then guys that can manipulate the field, can play well, they've got, they've got strength in the bowling. So I think they're both two very good lineups. The West Indian side, I love watching them play. They're exciting in terms of the way they go about it. But again, they've been caught out, I think, by the conditions. So they haven't really... Um, they've had an adaptive game, and they don't like to adapt again. They like to play a power game. So they've struggled a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a way not surprised because it's not the kind of conditions that suit them. Um, and then Pakistan is, is another side that's shown great form just in terms of 
We've always known they're very skillful side, but you never quite know. I mean, it's become a bit of a cliche. You never quite know which team's going to pitch up, but they've played really well. <laughs> but at the start of the tournament, probably India number one, England number two. They will be my two favourites, and we'll see where that still emerges. Having led the Proteas in a World Cup, how was that experience for you? Well, we, 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 it was in South Africa. It was a tremendous experience. I mean, you, you, you feel the pressure of, uh, of, of, of a World Cup in your own country, which the expectations are particularly high. And uh, it, uh, it, it's a great privilege to be involved in any national team at whatever sport or whatever level. But to be in a World Cup in your own country was tremendous. We obviously ended up not having a great run. Things just didn't count, went against us towards the back end. But um, it, you, you, you feel the weight of expectation on you, as, uh, but that's part of the path of the job. You know, that's what it's about, and that's why you do it. So if you don't enjoy that, you don't do it. But it was a tremendous privilege to be involved with the produce for any length of time, but to be coaching them in during the World Cup was a particular privilege. And that was the 2003 World Cup, folks, on home soil. But I know a lot of people will remember it for that miscalculation there. Coach, what happened there? I think everyone remembered for that. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there, Coach Eric? Okay, so, so it, it, to be to be honest, and this is the honest truth, and I've said it over and over, it wasn't actually a miscalculation. In those, these days, the actual Duckworth Lewis is the figures on the board, um, but it wasn't in those days. And and what what happened was it started raining, and Mark Barcher was batting, and he hit a six, and it, it tied us, and and we were going to face another ball. And we and we tried to send a message. We knew we needed another run of, a, of the next ball to make sure we won the game. And we tried to get the score onto him. But at that stage, the only way to know what the score was was a piece of paper, and it was raining. So he had it in his pocket. He was trying to look at it. And we, we tried to see, if you, if you watch the footage, we try and send Nicky Boyer onto the mm. field to say we need another another, another run. And uh, Steve Bucknell, who was the umpire at the time, sends him off because you're not supposed to run on the field. But, and, and it literally came down to a situation where there's no score on the scoreboard. You have to look at the piece of paper and try and work out what you need to get, and that's what happened. But we, we on, in, in, the, in, the, in the change room, we knew we needed an extra run. We just couldn't get the message to the batsman. Unfortunately, that ended up at the time. It wasn't good enough for us. I actually remember those scenes. But what was going through your mind then? You couldn't get the message to him, and then he blocked that last ball, if I remember correctly. He did, and he did. He blocked the last ball, exactly, yeah. And uh, thanks for bringing it up. I, you know, I almost need a therapy to get myself over it. But, it's one of those. It's one of those things, and even Sri Lanka didn't know because they didn't change the field. You know, they, they oh. and we and we also thought we'd we'd come back onto the field. We didn't know the game had finished that ball, but it didn't stop raining. So he, end, he ended up knocking the one, knocking the ball to the field, not taking, not even trying to take a single. If he'd taken a single, we'd almost have certainly qualified qualified for the quarterfinals mm. based on on where the tournament had gone. So I'm afraid it's going to be something as whatever I go through in my, my life is always going to haunt me that. Uh, that one run, that one block ball is going to always be part of a legacy, but that's part of your journey as a sportsman, something you have to just deal with. But didn't you get some consolation, coach, from winning the World Cup in 2011 as part of Gary Keston's team with <laughs> India? It, it was. It was a tremendous, a tremendous um, experience, tremendous uh, sense of, of of pleasure to have done it. But please, I mean, I, with great respect, I love, uh, listen, I actually love my time with India. It was a tremendous experience for me as a cricketer as a coach and, and a great privilege to be part of that. But if you gave me the option to win it with South Africa in, in any stage, one would go with that. But um, there was some sense of, of at least I can pick that box, but I'd far like prefer to have done with my own country for sure. Yeah, And and just what worked for India in that World Cup, especially with the bowlers, because you were given a lot of credit for, 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 for what you did with the bowlers and how they performed because they were in great form in that tournament, especially when it counted the most. Yeah, you know, I think I think one of the things that's important is people don't always people sometimes underestimate the value of partnerships in bowlers um, in a bowling unit and, and how they go about it. So, 
I think one of the things we were really good at was, was understanding each one's role. So, you know, you you might have, we had someone like Zahir Khan, and I don't know if people remember him, but he's one of the most skillful bowlers I've certainly ever worked with. Mm. But for him to be successful, he needs somebody at the other end to do a certain job. And, and each person understood their job and their role. And we worked very much as a unit to to, to build pressure on opposition. We didn't sometimes have the attacking force that some of the other other teams had, but we were very effective. At, but particularly we were effective as, as a unit of five or six bowlers, depending on, on what we did. And that's where our success lies. So each one understanding his job and how, how each one played a role in, in building pressure so that if the desire kind of took a look at that, he took it. But that was very much part of our strategy um, is, is how each one, each one understands the role that they play as a unit and uh, that ultimately led to our success from the bowling perspective. And what do you make of how the Indian bowling has improved over the years, especially playing away from home now? I cannot tell you. Um, I've, I've, uh, the IPL's run since 2008, what's the 13 or 14 years? Now. I've, I've missed two. I've been involved in 12 or 14 or something. And I mm. cannot tell you the value of the IPL has had on Indian cricket. So you've had young cricketers in the same change rooms, a Dale Stain or a, a Mitchell Stark or you know, w- w- some great international bowlers um, from all around the world and batsmen and vice versa. International cricketers have learned to maybe play spin better. They've learned so much from each other and the influence that, that they've had watching how a, a top international bowler prepares has rubbed off on, on some of the Indians. There are, I, I was with them in 2000 from 19 and 11. And, and even, even over the last decade, you see how, the, how much more athletic they've become and how much more physical conditioning has played a role in their preparation is one of the reasons they're so good overseas. So I think, I think the IPL has played a huge role in, in, in allowing these guys to develop and, and become where they are. Because in, in the past, you could, you could prepare green t- t- the wicket against the, the Indian teams and almost bully them, but you can't anymore because their bowling attack will utilize it as much. So mm. uh, to me, if you, if you had to put it in one word, the IPL has played a role. Okay, we are talking to Coach Eric Simons. We're going to go back and just talk about his career, um, playing career. Let's just play a voice note that's come through on 0614104107. What a team Western Province had with three great international all-rounders, Eric Simons, Craig Matthews, and Brian McMillan. No wonder they won so many trophies from Craig and Durban. Thanks for that, Craig. I remember that team, Big Mac, Craig Matthews there and uh, Coach Eric Simons, of course. But just before we talk about that team, Coach, just looking back at your playing career, um, are you satisfied with, with, with how your playing career went? And were you always an all-rounder, Coach? <laughs> That's a great question, actually, because probably one of the things I'm most proud of is, is I studied UCT uh, when I was playing, and I batted number 11 for the UCT team. <laughs> so... <laughs> so <laughs> So to end up, I actually played one one match for South Africa where I batted at six. And if you bat at six, they they see you as a batsman. So that mm-hmm. took progress in my career was something I was very proud of. Any every bowler believes you can bat. Um, so I, I I always could bat, but I was very much a bowler that could bat, uh, and and then became more of an all round as my career my career progressed. But um, yeah, interesting question. You know, you, you, I don't think you're a sportsman if you don't go. I would like to have done better. I, I, this, you know, obviously, I walk away playing for 17 years and saying what a, what a tremendous career and what a great privilege. But you, you always look back and say I could have been better at that. So, so if you look, if I look at the physical conditioning of the modern cricketer to where we were, like that's mm-hmm. just one thing. It's easy to have been in far better physical conditions. The guys today are really top class. I mean, 90 percent of them are top class physical condition, and and we thought we were, but you can push yourselves to another level. So there, there are always aspects of the way you can improve in your training and your in your preparation, your tactical, your, your, um, as a tactician, now as a coach, I'm streets ahead of where I was as a bowler 
in my day. So yes, I was. I, 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 it was a great privilege to play and do what I did, but I, I still believe I could have been even better if I'd been a few more, a few more years ahead of the game. You know. I was about to ask, um, obviously South Africa being readmitted into international cricket in 1991 and 1992, do you sometimes have any regrets that it came a little bit too late for you, even though you did play for the Proteas eventually? Uh, regrets is the wrong word. I mean, there's so many, there's so many, uh, there's so many other aspects of, of that period that one, it, it, always, it almost would feel wrong to, to say, I regret that I didn't play for South Africa. You know, when one looks back on, on what was going on in our country and the rest, it was, it was part and parcel that eventually got us to where we are today, so we had to go through it. So I, I, I would, I, I, I would, I would be loath to use the word regret. I, I ended up playing for South Africa, as you say, I was 31 years back in my career, and that was a, that in itself was, was, was a gift which I didn't expect to get. But um, to say I regret, and other people had far greater regrets, would be probably wrong. I, I don't look back on that with, with a sense of regret. I, I'm, I'm just proud, proud and, 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 and grateful that I ended up in a situation where I could play for South Africa under those conditions. We, we certainly were one nation. And you were part of the team that played India in 1992. I think they were the first team to come here since readmission. How was that experience? No, I actually wasn't. I didn't I didn't make that side. Oh, you um, were not there? When did you start then? No. I started a year late, 1994, two years later. Oh. So I, I toured Pakistan. I played against Australia. toured New Zealand. So I was from 94 onwards that I played. Yeah, my first tour was Pakistan. So unfortunately, I didn't make that particular tour. Did you play for a South African uh, side in the eighties, in the mid eighties? Yes, I, well, well, in, the, in those old Rebel series, I played. Uh, I played for South Africa on a few occasions in, in those series. Yeah. Mm. And how how did it feel to play for that team? Did it feel like you were playing for a South African team, or it was just a combined eleven? Yeah, that's that's a point of that's a point of um, of, of education, and, and you know maybe maybe the time you naively think you you. It was a bigger deal than it was, but when you look back, and that's why I say in '94, when you suddenly realise now you are playing for your country as a as a united country, and it sort of it sort of pales into significance. And and in hindsight, it, uh, it, it's it's always nice to be recognised in any selection when you do. But in hindsight, it, it, if, if that was all I had, it would have been it would have been pretty sad. But um, now that now that we are we are as a nation, you realise that. Uh, the, how, what, how much pain it really caused, and, and and 94 was important in terms of being able to play for a kind of a truly re- team that truly represented the country. Did you make? And then when did you make your debut, coach? Was it in that match where Hansen scored a hundred? The ODIs at, at the Wanderers against, against Australia. Australia. Yeah, that's my. That was the game I made my debut. Yeah. Yes. How much do you, you remember about yeah, that you, game? You, you took a couple of wickets there, right? <laughs> you did. I remember on the <laughs> I did. I got. I got a few wickets as well. I ended up getting more than I expected. I got. Uh, I think you got Dean Jones. Dean Jones and Mark Wall. I got and the two them out. I think. Yeah. And all the slow ball and one minute straight in the air. Very impressed. <laughs> Good <laughs> memory. Well done. Yes, I do remember the one of uh, of of, of um, Dean Jones. We are talking to Coach Eric Simmons. Okay, there's another question now that you said you were betting at a number eleven. Um, they want to know if did you. Or oh, did you eventually work on your betting then? Did you feel it was important to work on your betting so you can get a regular place in the teams you are playing in? So that's one, of, what, that's one of the aspects you asked that question, which is a very good question, is um, do you have regrets about your thing or do you think you could have, did you, you know, did you achieve what you could have? And I, I, I did. I worked very, very hard on my batting, but I wish I'd worked even harder on, on my batting. I became a lot more effective as a batsman. Um, I, I recognize that... I, that 
but to, to, to have more strings in your bow than just your bowling would be an important aspect, and it did. It, it gave me a far more extended career. If I, if I was just a bowler, I would never, I would never played as long as I did. So I did recognize that, and um, uh, I did work very hard. But, it, but at the same time, I do have regret I didn't work even harder and, and become far more, um, uh, have, a, have a great repertoire of shots in, in, my, in, my, in my armory, which I think would have been maybe even better. So, yes, I did. I had mm-hmm. to, to, to play for as long as I did. And what was key in your bowling, coach? Because, I mean, when we saw you play, you were not the fastest, obviously. A nice, easy, medium pacer there, but it was always it always seemed to be line and length. You're very economical, too. What was key in your bowling, and how did you approach your bowling? For me, the, for me, the important thing was accuracy, to be able to deliver what I wanted to deliver and to, and to be patient. I never allowed the batsman to take my tactics. Uh, if, I, if I believed in my tactic, if he hit me off my length, I'd, you know, and I believe that was the right ball to ball, I'll stick with it. And that's part of what I, I, I talk about in my coaching now as well. But, but it was absolutely my accuracy. I, I, always, I was always told from, from that that I got more bounce than they expected, and that played a role, so the ball always hit high on the bat than they thought it was going to. But um, but the accuracy was was what, what was certainly was my the major strength of armory. But I think it's a lot faster than you mentioned. I think I, I think I bought quite quickly. But the batsmen say no, I didn't. So maybe you are right. <laughs> <laughs> they say in your final season you averaged fourteen with the ball. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I had a, I had a tremendous season with the ball, and it's it's actually interesting because you asked me about batting, and and then when when my, when I'm as my batting improved, I probably I probably did go off. You you know you're probably right. I mean you are right. I went off more to a to a line and length sort of bowler. And in my in my last season, I decided if I'm going to play the season and be successful, I've got to get back to my at least a, in my old pace. And I and I worked very hard physically to get myself in the, and and in the nets as well to be bowling a lot quicker. I ended up bowling with a new ball again and had a tremendous season as a bowler in my last year. And one of the reasons was because I, I, I focused more on, on bowling pace and uh, and bowling with more aggression just in terms of my, my tactical attitude. So I did have a very good season with my with the ball in the last year and, and it was because of those two changes of attitudes. Number one, the tr- physical training and number two, actually running in harder and bowling quicker because I wanted to bowl with a new ball again and end up doing it, which I was very pleased about. Okay, wonderful. Coach, I didn't even have a look at the time. We're going to have to end it here just because of time. We need to move to another interview. But just finally, thank you firstly for engaging us. We really appreciate the insight and the education you've given us and looking back also at your career. Now that we are at this stage of the World Cup, then who do you see take? I mean, how far do you see the Proteas going? Can they get out of this Super 12s? It's gonna it's gonna come down to the England game, I believe. If they if they can play against England and beat them, I think it's gonna be a bit of a quarter final. I, I think we'll have enough power for the other teams. I mean, there are some dangerous teams in our in our group. There are other dangerous teams in our group, but ultimately it's gonna come down to the, on the day when we play against England. And we have got the ability. We've got the team to beat them, but we're gonna to have to play to our ability and better. Well, not to our ability, better, but to you know we really have to up our game. We're gonna to have to all be right on top of our games on a particular day. It's gonna to come to that particular performance, but that's gonna be for us the, the crux of the tournament. Okay, here's the last question. I always thought you played for Western Province your whole career, but somebody says you went to Northern Transvaal. I played for them for one year. One season I played for, for the old Northern Transvaal Berea Park in Pretoria. Yeah. Oh, and then you went back to Province? And I went back to Cape Town, back to the mountain. <laughs> hey, you didn't enjoy it there in Pretoria? <laughs> no, I had a good year in Pretoria, but uh, I don't know, the mountain. The mountain's got a certain thing about it. It brings you back here, you know. <laughs> Okay, wonderful, Coach. Thank you for speaking to us uh, here on SAFM. We really enjoyed uh, chatting to you and we look forward to speaking to you more often. Yeah, likewise. Always nice to chat. Thanks for the call and the opportunity. Have a great evening.
Thank you, Coach Eric Simons there, former Proteus coach, also part of the India team that won the World Cup, a 50-over World Cup in 2011 under Gary Keston, and we're just looking back at his career also. Man has no regrets, which is good, satisfied with his what he achieved in his career. Was always reliable. Did they call him Mr. Reliable? Libra, you'll remind me, is he the one that was called Mr. Reliable or was it Alan Dawson? Which one was called Mr. Reliable at Western Province? But anyway, we're going to move right along and talk MTN 8 after this.